I'd like to read from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5. John kicked us off a couple of weeks ago, and Neil spoke last week on two of the verses. And I'm going to be focusing on blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. But I want to read the first ten verses of Matthew chapter 5. Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So as I said, I'm going to focus on verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And I want to look at three aspects this morning. Firstly, what does it mean to be meek? Secondly, what does it mean to inherit the earth? And thirdly, how can we develop meekness? So what does it mean to be meek? What does it mean to inherit the earth? And how can we develop meekness? Now, I think it was this week, it might have been last week, on the BBC, they've started a new series. Well, it's not so new, but it's because they've had various series on before, called The Apprentice. And on it, I don't know if you've seen it. Anybody seen it? Yeah, okay. The Apprentice, the, the background to it is this, that Lord Alan Sugar wants to invest some money in, some, in a young adult who's got a good business plan. He wants to invest quarter of a million pounds in their business. I want to show you a video clip which does not quite show meekness that we're after. Let's have a look. If I was to describe myself in one sentence, it would be the best thing since sliced bread. Okay, so my game plan, if I get selected for The Apprentice, would be to totally out-infuse people. I would be so bouncy, so jumpy that they wouldn't even see me coming. I'd be running around closing deals, winning tasks, whilst they're still pulling each other's hair out and trying to decide what the company name is. That's how I'd be them. What would I do with my first billion? And my first billion, I'd buy myself a private island and I'd sit on there and I'd call it Dickie's World. Dickie's World, my name being Richard, my wife calls me Dickie, uh, would be the most fun, brilliant place in the world. You could come and chill out, discuss the day's things. Richard Branson wouldn't even have anything of Dickie's World. Necker Island. Nah. I'm perfect for this because I'm a Swiss army knife of bouncy skills, business skills, enthusiasm. I've got everything highly tuned, highly chiseled, and I will be successful. We will be the best team together, Lord Sugar. We can actually make this happen. I'm going to grow a massive, massive business, and I will... The, the other candidates won't even see me happening. They'll just be messing around. I'll be winning tasks left, right, and centre. I'm too good to not be winning this show. There you have it. So that's a display of what it does not mean to be meek. Uh, The parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector that Jesus told, the Pharisee went to the temple to pray and so did the tax collector. And the Pharisee said, I thank you that I'm not like this guy here. I'm not like him. You know, I, I give, I'm generous, I'm kind, I sacrifice, I do all the right kind of things. I'm not like this guy here. And the tax collector won't even lift his eyes up to heaven and he says to God, please be merciful 
to me a sinner. And Jesus says, he's the one who is justified before God. He was the meek one. Meekness, I read something very, which really helped me to understand what meekness was about. And it's this, meekness means being small before God. Meekness means being small before God. That does not mean being insignificant or unimportant, but it means being aware of our utter dependence on God. Every breath you breathe, every blink you blink, every thought you make, you're completely, and I am completely dependent on God. Every blessing that you have received in your life, whether it's your spouse, your children, your brothers, your sisters, your parents, the house you live in, the education you've had, the opportunities in life you may have had, the, the money you may also have given away, everything that you have, that I have, is a blessing from God. We're completely dependent on Him. Meekness, being small before God. I don't know if any of you uh, got up last month to see the supermoon. The supermoon was, was on the 28th of September. And uh, it happened at 11 minutes past 3 in the morning. Anybody get up to see it? Uh, well done. Uh, yeah, fantastic. Well, I also planned to get up to see it. But I thought, ah, I'm not sure I can get up at that time in the morning. But I'm interested in that kind of thing. So, in fact, I woke up suddenly at half past 2 in the morning. I was lying in bed and I thought, shall I get up to see it? And I thought, no, I'll just stay here and fall back asleep again. But as it happened, I couldn't get back to sleep. So I got up, got my dressing gown on, and out I went into the garden. And as I looked, it was a clear night sky. could see all the stars and the moon. It was just beginning the eclipse. And then at 11 minutes past three, it was completely an eclipse. And as I looked, I was reminded of what the psalmist said in Psalm 8, where he says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have made, what is man that you are mindful of him? And I thought, yeah, I'm actually quite small, and God is big. So meekness, being small before God. It's not simply being easygoing. It's not weakness of personality or character. We see Jesus certainly didn't exhibit any of those. Nor does it simply mean a compromising person, peace at any price. That's not what it's about. It's not cowardly. It's not unable to face issues. It's strong and courageous. But meekness is often shown in our dealings with others. So, for example, Moses, who led the children of Israel out of Egypt... And he was described as the meekest person on earth at that time. And he had a brother called Aaron and a sister called Miriam. And one day they complained against Moses. Now these people were significant people in the community of Israel. So they carried some weight in the things that they said. So this was a dangerous thing that was going on, them complaining against Moses. Paraphrasing, they said, are you the only person that God speaks to? Who do you think you are? Do you think he speaks to us as well? And Moses, being meek, he did not defend himself. He did not retaliate. He could easily have, but he didn't because he was meek. But he entrusted himself to God. And then God came and God struck Miriam with leprosy. Moses could have stood and said, well, that serves you right. That's what you get for standing up to me. But he didn't. He prayed for her that she would be healed. And she was healed. Meekness is shown in our dealings with others. We forgive readily. We're humble, gentle, forgiving, patient, and contented. I think contentedness is quite a good measure of our meekness in a sense. I wonder, is there a contentedness in your life? Are you a grumbler? 
Or are you grateful? Sometimes we can be grateful even in the midst of difficult circumstances. And I ask myself the question this. As I've studied this, how far down the road of meekness am I? Now, what I should have done is given each of you a piece of paper with a, an assessment a three, and a 360 review of how I'm doing. But one of the ways that I would assess my meekness is this. How do I drive my car? Um, I don't know how you would assess your meekness. Maybe it's in another way, but that's how I would do it with mine. And I think, as I look at that, I think, well, there's certainly room for improvement. Meekness involves a looking out for others, not being self-centered. It doesn't mean being a doormat, but it means having a trust in the Lord, even when things are not going the way I would like them to. It's not passive inactivity either or resignation. If you have the chance to improve your lot, then take it. I certainly have. When job opportunities have come up, where I could get a promotion, I've gone for it sometimes. haven't always got it. But. So meekness is not a kind of passivity. I'm just a kind of timid, passive kind of person. No, it's not. We don't see that in Christ's life at all. I'm not, so meekness is being small before God, seeing how great he is and how small we are. We're not insignificant to him. We're very important to him. But still, he is great, and we are small. And that's a good starting point. Another thing I read was this, that meekness is power under control. Meekness is power under control. In the new James Bond film, which is due to come out next month, I'm not on commission for this, by the way, he's going to be driving an Austin Martin DB10, which does 0 to 60 in three seconds, with a top speed of 200 miles an hour. And they've invested in this because they want to do a thrilling car chase through the streets of Rome. In case you're thinking of getting one of these cars, it's going to cost over 300,000 K, all right? And by the way, they've only made 10, especially for the film, so. Um, but one of the ways they measure the power of even that car is they measure it in horsepower. 500 horsepower, apparently, that car has. But meekness is power under control. A horse is a powerful animal. With one kick of its hoof, it could knock you down and kill you. Power under control. I just want to show you a little snippet of another video of power under control. So meekness is power under control. And we see it, of course, ultimately in Christ himself. Jesus, who's described as very meek. We see him arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
And he says, do you think I cannot call on my father? And he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels. A Roman legion in those days was about 6,000 soldiers. So when Jesus is saying, I can call upon at least 12 legions of angels to rescue me from this situation. We can read in the book of Isaiah as well that one angel in one day was sent to destroy 185,000 people. So just work out in the mass there the power of at least 12 legions of angels. But he doesn't. He doesn't do it. We see Jesus as well washing feet. He's humble. He's gentle. We see him standing before Pilate. And Pilate says to him, Do you refuse to speak to me? Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. And Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. One of the ways as well, I think, in which we see Jesus' meekness is how he copes with success. You know, I've, in my short life, seen many people who've had success. And even this morning, as I was standing there worshiping, I was thinking about it again, and how success is very difficult to handle. It's very difficult to handle, so handle it well. And I was thinking of the Beatles, actually. thinking of John Lennon when uh, they went to America, and they were incredibly successful. There were crowds of people adoring them. And then he had the temerity to say they were greater than Jesus Christ. It's very difficult to handle success. And Jesus... You know, performing mighty miracles, having the adulation of the crowds. You know, that's one of the things when you read the Gospels, that crowds of people followed him. And he would go away secretly and still they would find out where he was. Crowds of people. He goes into the city on a donkey. Crowds of people saying, Hosanna to the Son of God, Son of David. But Jesus doesn't let the adulation affect him at all. He can cope with success. He withdraws, in fact. Even when someone comes up to him and says, good teacher, he says, why do you call me good? His humility is absolutely incredible, his meekness. And I was thinking about how would we cope with success here at King's? Imagine that people got raised from the dead here. How would we cope with it? You'd have people flying in from all over the world, knowing the secret of our success. You'd have the TV people here. And when there was a period of refreshment going on at the Toronto Vineyard Church in Canada, you know, people flew in from all over the world to see what was going on, to receive something of what was going on. Jesus was amazing at how he coped with success, incredibly meek. So what does it mean to be meek? Well, there's a humility and a gentleness about us when we are. Not inactivity, not passivity, not resignation, Not lack of facing issues. What does it mean to inherit the earth? Well, the singer poet Jim Morrison wrote this. What have they done to the earth? What have they done to our fair sister? Ravaged and plundered and ripped her and bit her. Stuck her with knives in the side of the dawn. Tied her with fences and dragged her down. 
We see a world not in union, as the rugby song says, but a world in conflict. Again, this morning I was just looking at the flags up here. And without thinking too hard about it, I could think of strife and trouble in many of the nations represented by the flags here. So that one there with a the yellow star in it, South Sudan. And that, this has affected us as a church, really, because we support some work that's going on in South Sudan. And we had an email last week because it's a, it's a country in conflict. And they live in a compound, a secure, in inverted commas, compound, but not that secure that last week they had armed bandits come into the compound and rob them. A very scary thing. You know, we live in a world in conflict. The war in Syria, the refugee crisis, corruption in FIFA. North Korea, I was reading last week, I think it was, celebrated 70 years of their revolution. It's a tyranny, basically. It is the worst place in terms of persecution to be a Christian in the whole world. We live in a world in conflict. What does it mean to inherit the earth? Over the centuries, many have sought to inherit the earth through conquering it. Alexander the Great, Genghis Khan, Julius Caesar, Napoleon, Hitler, I could go on. They've sought to inherit the earth by military means. But the earth's going to be inherited by the meek, Jesus said. And it's a different kind of kingdom. It's an upside-down kingdom. It's a kingdom where the first will be last. It's an upside-down kingdom where the servant is going to be the head of all, as Jesus himself declared. So inheriting the earth is going to be different. It's not going to be military conquest, but it's going to be twofold, and they're connected. There's going to be a spiritual dimension to the inheritance of the earth, and there's going to be a physical dimension. I guess in one sense, the physical dimension is easier to describe. The physical inheritance of the earth, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And in that new heaven and in that new earth, there will be no more disease. There'll be no more death. There'll be no more evil rampant in the world. It will be gone. It will be abolished. And there'll be a freedom to enjoy everything that God has planned and purposed. The meek, those who fulfill God's righteousness through Christ will inherit this new heaven and this new earth. Quite what all that means, I'm not too sure. Some of it is a mystery. Some of it is yet to unfold. But there's going to be some kind of new heaven and new earth in which righteousness will reign and which the meek will inherit. But I believe it's already started because God has already inaugurated his new creation. And even now in the midst of a conflicted world, in the midst of a world where there are endless problems to overcome in life, disappointments, pain, heartache, death, all the disappointments and pain and darkness of life that we have to face at times, there's still even now an inheriting of the earth going on. You see, when Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth, he is revising the scripture in Psalm 37, verse 11. In Psalm 37, verse 11, he's updating it. It says, but the meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. So Jesus updates this, but the meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. Now he's saying the meek will inherit the earth. Now, what would the people have understood in those days by the land? The meek will inherit the land. Well, the land was to do with the land of Canaan, which became Israel. 
the people of Israel in bondage in Egypt, led out by Moses, were going to a promised land that Abraham long before had been promised. Abraham left Ur of the Chaldees in order to go to this land. And God said, your descendants are going to inhabit this land. And so the children of Israel eventually went to the land. And the land was to be a land flowing with milk and honey. But God had greater purposes for them through the land. And these were purposes right from the beginning of time. You see, God said to Adam and Eve, here's the garden. It's beautiful. Tend it. Look after it. Here are the animals. Tend them. Look after them. And this beautiful place, I want you to export it to the whole of the world. Because it's always been God's purpose that the whole world should be blessed. Then God says to Abraham, I'm going to give you this little piece of real estate, which we now call Israel, loosely. And uh, But my purposes are bigger than that. Through you, I'm going to bless the world. That's what I want to do. The nation of Israel, when they came into the land, it wasn't for selfish purposes. It was so that they could live under God's rule, God's dominion, under God's laws, and be a blessing to the other nations around them. The meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. So it's always been God's purpose that that the world would be blessed. And it still is the same today. The kingdom, as I said, it comes into a hostile world. But I believe we catch glimpses. It's like a down payment, a deposit of that which is to come. And we might even miss it. We might even miss our inheritance now. You ever thought about that? Blessed are the meek for they inherit the earth. Does that just mean when we die? Is there anything now that we can inherit? I think there is. I think there are things that we can inherit now. And they're precious things. Because when you think about it, what are the things that are, when you really think about it, what are the things which are the most precious to you in your life? The things that are most precious. I know your life itself is precious. It's a precious thing that God has given you. What are the things that are precious to you? Is it your money? Is that, that, is that what's most precious to you? Is it your smartphone? You've got the latest smartphone. Yeah. Wow. Is that what's precious to you? Or are other things that are more precious to you that you, you, they may even pass you by and you think, and you've missed, you've missed it. See, some of the things which are precious to me, when I really think about it, are actually to do with relationships principally. So my grandchild smiles at me when I say hello. <sighs> That's precious. When I'm able to give someone a hug in, in, in truth and kindness. As so precious. When someone speaks a genuine, sincere word of affirmation and encouragement. Wow, so precious. I'm inheriting something of the coming kingdom. Because in the coming kingdom, it's going to be magnified even more than it is now. You know, I don't like, I don't particularly like November, I have to say. Because, you know why, it gets darker. Now, clocks are, what they're doing, is it? Next week, going back, clocks are going back an hour, which means it will get darker an hour earlier, doesn't it? You know, so by the time I leave work, it's dark. I don't like them. And it gets cold. And it gets damp. Am I the only one who feels that? Or do you feel that, maybe? Yeah. However, the autumn is beautiful, isn't it? This kind of period is just so beautiful. You go down for a walk in the Huendon Park or... You know, and the trees are just changing colors and the conkers are just falling down on the ground. It's very beautiful, very precious. To me, that's, 
That's an aspect of inheriting the earth. It's not that I own it, it belongs to me. That's not what it's about. But it's about inheriting what God has made. But not for selfish purposes, so I can get rich from all these things. No. God wants to bless you. God wants to bless me. So that we can be a blessing to others as well. See, it's always been God's purpose that the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And it's begun. It's begun in you and me. Isn't that amazing to think that God wants to reveal his glory through you and me? You see, what is the point? What is the point of Jesus declaring the Beatitudes? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are you when men persecute you. What is the point of all that? Rejoice when you're persecuted. You see, he wants to set a very high moral standard for us to live by that we can't attain. Is that what, why he set that? Is it simply so that we'll live a, a, a good moral life at a very high level? Is that why he said those things? I think it's profounder than that even. I think what it is, is that when the Beatitudes are lived, because there's only one person so far who's, who's been able to live them perfectly, and that's Christ himself. When the Beatitudes are lived, what happens is this. It's the whole character and the nature of God himself is revealed. And Paul writes in the book of Romans, he writes this. The whole creation, the whole creation is waiting with eager longing for the children of God to be revealed. Isn't that remarkable? The whole creation. I mean, you think about the whole, the animals, the fish. I don't know how the fish can be looking forward to the revealing of the children of God. But when it says the whole creation, it means the whole creation. The moon, the stars, the planets, the quasars, the black holes, you know, the people, the grass, the worms, the snails, the lions, the tigers. I don't know. The whole creation is waiting with eager expectation, let alone in the spiritual realm. You know, the angels waiting with eager expectation for the children of God. To be revealed. This is God's purpose in the Beatitudes. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Because when we can live as Jesus would like us to live, it reveals something of the, it reveals the character and the nature of God himself. And the whole, there's something about the whole creation is waiting for it to happen. It's like, it's, one translation says, it's waiting on tiptoe. It's just with eager Have you eagerly anticipated anything in your life? Maybe as students, you've eagerly anticipated the beginning of your your, uh, lessons, your new term. Yeah? I don't know. Or you're you're about to have a baby. You're eagerly expecting that baby to come. Or you've got a new job. You've got a pay rise. You're eagerly expecting for the money to come into your account. Whatever it might be, the whole creation is waiting with eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. And yet, when we look at ourselves, generally we would say of ourselves, well, I haven't quite got there yet. There's, there's a bit of a gap in my meekness, let alone anything else. You know, there's meekness and I'm kind of, how can I, how can I develop that? So the third thing I want to look at is how can we develop meekness? Well, one way that we cannot do it is this way. We cannot do it like this. Right, so this apple represents meekness, okay? This apple represents meekness. So I'm going to be meek this week, okay? So here we go. I'm going to really summon it up. 
I'm determined to be meek today, okay? I tell you what, if you have that attitude, you'll have failed by the time you leave this building, okay? Actually, this is not real fruit. This is a plastic apple, all right? So if you try and manufacture it like that, it's not going to work. However, this may be smaller, but this is real. This is a real apple. Now, the difference, of course, between the plastic apple and the real apple is this actually grows. The plastic apple does not grow. This grows. So to develop meekness, the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, meekness, and self-control. So it's part of the fruit of the Spirit. If you want a tree to grow, if you want a fruit tree or any tree to grow, you have to give it the right conditions. Otherwise, it won't grow. So we, as God's people, we've got to put ourselves in the right conditions in order for the fruit to grow. The Bible says, let us not give up meeting together, as is the habit of some, but let us encourage one another all the more as we see the day drawing near. Let us not give up meeting together, as is the habit of some. What's your habit? You know, because it's important that the tree has its roots down into the good soil to receive the nourishment in order for the tree to grow and the fruit to be produced. So one of the ways in which we can develop meekness is by our meeting together, our corporate meeting together. I I think it's key. It's very important because there we should receive encouragement. We should receive nourishment. We should have opportunity to worship, opportunity to pray and give encouragement, receive encouragement. All those kind of things would help the tree to grow to produce good fruit. Our times of worship, we heard Andy give a prophetic word earlier, word of knowledge, about worship. And John took that up really well when he said, well, I think that may apply to one person, but it applies to us all in terms of worship. Well, where can I worship? Only here on a Sunday morning? No. At the kitchen sink, in the car, with your eyes open. Um, <laughs> you know, where, in your place of work. Wherever it might be, just that little snippet of song sometimes will come to you. And yeah, to lift your heart and mind. And prayer as well. Prayer is not restricted to here, obviously. We can pray anytime, anyplace, anywhere. Jesus said to the woman, the Samaritan woman, when she said, Oh, we worship on this mountain. He said, It's not going to be on this mountain or any other mountain for that place. It's not going to be Jerusalem either. It'll be throughout the whole earth. Because it's a different way of working. We're going to worship in spirit and truth any place, anytime, anywhere. So we develop, we can develop meekness by being filled with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will produce that fruit within us. And if you are born again, then you have the Holy Spirit within you because the Holy Spirit causes you to be born again. And you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you need to keep being filled with the Holy Spirit again and again and again and again. And when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's going to, he's already put a deposit of meekness in our life, a deposit of love, a deposit of joy, a deposit of peace, a deposit of truth. And our responsibility is to put the tree in the right place in order for the fruit to grow. And another thing that we can do, so we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and we need to receive the Word of God without resisting it. That's what the Apostle James says. He says, receive with meekness. The implanted word which is able to save you. Many people have heard the word, but it doesn't really take root in their life. 
We need to let that word get right into our life and put it into practice at every opportunity that we can. Yes, we may look back and say, well, I failed. You know, I... Yeah, well, haven't we all? You know, if you fail, then pick yourself up. Come on, dust yourself down and start all over again, right? So the Spirit and the Word will help develop that meekness within us. My time is almost up. So, to sum up, what does it mean to be meek? There's a gentleness. There's a humility about us. Not braggadocio. But meekness does not mean you're wishy-washy. We don't see that in Jesus. He was well able to face issues and tough ones. And not beat around the bush at times when you had to speak to people. But there's a humility and a gentleness and a patience about us. And um, what does it mean to be meek? What does it mean to inherit the earth? There's an aspect of which it's happening now. Let's not miss it in the good things that the Lord does, in the good experiences that he gives us. Catch a glimpse of that which is to come. It's going to come in its fullness. And we have to be a blessing here now. And one day, all the evil will be removed from the earth. And how can we develop meekness? Get the tree in the right soil. Get it, give, it, give it the right nourishment. And then the fruit will grow. We won't have to summon it all up by gritting our teeth. That won't work. Amen? Let's just pray. Let's just pray and ask the Lord to help us here. Because I'm sure we... Sitting here, we're feeling a bit inadequate at times. Just reach out your hands if you would like to. And as I pray, I'm going to ask the Lord to fill us afresh with the Spirit. Father, we thank you. You are the one who has begun a good work within us. Wow. You have already planted meekness in us. That's amazing. It doesn't happen naturally. It happens by your Spirit. And we thank you that you have We thank you that your purpose includes us. It's amazing. And thank you, Lord, that you want your glory to be seen on planet Earth, both now and obviously when you come. And you want it through us. It's amazing. Amazing, Lord. So I pray in Jesus' mighty name, we pray together, Father, that you would fill us afresh with the Holy Spirit. Father, we ask that you would help us to yield to your word, Father. Not to resist, but to receive it with meekness, Father. Because you want to do us good. So, Father, we again place ourselves in your hands right now. And we say, Father, help us in this. Empower us in this. As we want to be a blessing to others. And we ask for this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.